Welcome to Christ in Context, a podcast dedicated to seeing Christ in every context of Scripture for His exaltation in the Church and proclamation to the world. This podcast is a part of the Doctrinal Discipleship Ministry and a proud member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of Christ in Context. Today we are going to be continuing uh, this mini-series through the Word of Faith, hyper-charismatic movement, whatever you want to call it. Um, we're continuing the interview with Caleb Castro from the Bobcast, and this week is the end of that interview. Next week, we will be uh, interviewing John St. Martin from the Five Points Church Planning Podcast. Uh, this week, as we conclude with Caleb, we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts and kind of what goes wrong and wacky with this movement. So I hope you enjoy the rest of this interview. Last thing that I wanted to quickly hit on was um, this idea of spiritual gifts. Um, Mm -hmm. So (laughs) this is obviously, if we're going to talk about charismatics and like, that's obviously going to be a topic that we should briefly talk about. Um, And I want to be clear that there are, charismatic Christians. You know, if you believe in the spiritual mm-hmm. gifts, that doesn't mm-hmm. nullify your Christianity. Right. Um, however, I think your understanding of the function of the spiritual gifts impacts um, where you stand on this. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's, there's some guys who are even, you know, they have a reformed soteriology. So like Matt Chandler, um, he is a Calvinist, but he also is a charismatic so you know we wouldn't mm-hmm. categorically call him totally reformed but also mm-hmm. um you know so he does believe in the use and function of the holy spirit there's also guys like uh uh sam storms who believe in you know this they refer to it as the fivefold ministry mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> spiritual gifts and right. that gets twisted around a lot in <laughs> Bethel and uh, some of these other word of faith churches. So let's talk about like, I guess just really quickly, what would be a good use of the charismatic gifts, whether, you know, if we believe in this continuation of these miraculous, you know, sign gifts, like how could maybe this will be too big of a can of worms to open it with our time. And then also like uh, just, the cessation of the gifts, you know, why do we as reformed Christians believe in the cessation of these certain gifts? Um, And based on either argument, how is this movement misusing their uh, spiritual gifts? Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's an enormous question. Um, It's, uh, I hope ultimately to just, yes, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, so basically really quick is, I guess, to dumb it down, super, like super dumbed down is the charismatic side would say there's no biblical evidence um, or no specific claim in scripture that the gifts would cease. Um, There is a claim that um, Paul in his writings has the assumption that these gifts are going to continue. Um, so like first Corinthians 14, he's kind of, well, 12 through 14, he's giving these commands, um, and, uh, whatnot that with the assumption that these gifts would continue. Um, whereas the 
more, I guess, cessationistic argument would fall that um, when Paul refers to the perfect or the complete thing in, um, and it, he doesn't really say what it is. He just says when the perfect comes or when the complete comes, um, then mm-hmm. these things will cease. And so there's kind of a dispute around that. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And the word of faith movement takes, they don't really take that into account. I mm-hmm. I don't think um, they, and so there's a charismatic, like practical use. Um, you know, I've heard like Matt Chandler talk about prophecy where he specifically, you know, guards what a, prophetic word might be he'll say Mm -hmm. um like you know if someone has a prophetic word you're not just going to go up to someone and say hey god told me this and you know blast them with some type of nonsense you know you need to go Uh job and move five states away um he would rather encourage you to say hey i think i'm getting this impression from the holy spirit and i think i need to tell you this and then deliver the message and then go pray over this, compare it with scripture and all of that. So, Uh you know, I distinctly remember being told by myriads of people, tons of different prophetic things, um, whether it was super vague or super uh, narrow and pointed, you know, I've Uh had other people in youth group just tell me, Hey, you need to go like, God's telling me that you need to go pray for this person. And I was like, no, I don't want to, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like I'm, you know, high school. I don't, I didn't really care. (laughs) Like it wasn't my problem, but um, also had remembered, this is actually really funny. Me and my wife visited this church um, at the beginning of 2020. And we had, this, I, I can't even get through this story without laughing. Um, there was a, an old man, an older man who had come up to us and told me and my wife to flip to Habakkuk chapter one. And I can't, let me just find it really quick because this, sure. this is gold. Um, <laughs> he told us, oh, no. we get there. Um, he's got a specific verse that he wants us to read. Um, because it, it's really our message for, for the year, you know, mm-hmm. um, ah, oh, geez, almost there. there it is. Okay. Um, let's see. Yeah. Habakkuk one five, which is, I think kind of a favorite for a lot of people to just blast way out of context. Um, it says, look among the nations, observe, be astonished, wonder, because I'm doing something new in your days. You would not believe if you were told. And he said, you know, this is, this is God's word for, for our year, for, for 2020. Mm-hmm. If you look at the, just one verse down, this gets me so good for behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans that fierce and impetus people who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places, which are not theirs. So specifically the prophecy that's given to Habakkuk is mm-hmm. that God is sending his judgment to these people. And so I let, you know, me and my wife let this guy have his fun and we walked away and I leaned <laughs> over and I was like, that's not a good thing. If that's, if that's really the word for, for this year, we should be kind of (laughs) scared. 
And well, <laughs> 2020 turned out. It was a bit of a dumpster fire. So maybe. <laughs> whoops. Yeah. <laughs> kind of dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. Uh, so the way uh, they yeah. kind of don't take this into account, they just kind of say things <laughs> with a disregard, you know, may, just kind of keep saying things, hoping maybe something will stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I think there can be some charismatic Christians, though, I think they're probably in error uh you know they just they're a lot more cautious and test things by scripture and um you know we as reformed christians are you know we're cessationists so let's kind of explore you know why Mm -hmm. why are we as reformed christians cessationists i guess yeah arrows down stuff definitely yeah yeah i think uh well First, uh, that, that's a good place to, to start off from where your, your example from Habakkuk. Uh, similarly, where actually um, you'll find uh, in, in virtually any charismatic church the, the term of the baptism of fire. Um, but we, we recall what's actually being spoken of there with, between the contrast of the baptism of the spirit, uh, which is, in other words, Christian baptism mm-hmm. with water, mm-hmm. but with the promises of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> The, the promises of Christ's benefit, but baptism by fire is the baptism of eternal judgment. Yeah. Condemnation. You that. Yeah. You don't yeah. want baptism of judgment. Yeah. Whenever, yeah. Whenever they're, 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 uh, equalizing, um, the baptism of uh, the Christian baptism with, uh, God's condemnation at the end of the age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, yeah. Yeah. There's a funny video. I don't know if you know who, um, Michael Brown is, but there's a funny video mm-hmm. of him. Uh, mm-hmm. I think back in the eighties at the, I think it's a Pensacola revival or so, it was one of the revivals down in Florida. And he was, you know, just screaming like fire, fire. And it's like a five minute video of him just dancing around saying, <laughs> yelling at to receive fire. Um, but yeah, that specifically, yeah. I think it's in um, like, matthew or luke where the next verse says behold he has his winnowing fork and he's separating the wheat from the chaff Mm -hmm. you know like it's a very very clear picture that the chaff are going to get burned up by the fire it's not a good thing to receive the baptism of fire yeah and it's this is this is an this is an important point because it's um you know we we when sometimes, you know, someone really likes a verse or whatever, and they want to use it uh, to speak, um, you know, some kind of encouragement or meaning into their life. And so they'll, they'll turn to whatever, you know, a random page in the Bible and see what the Lord uh, is saying to me about my situations. You know, we come along uh, and we say, well, no, you need to consider these things in the context. We can sound really, um, you know, academic or like scholarly. It's like, well, no, you have to understand, you know, that, uh, uh, that what's really going on here when you're looking at the uh, genitive absolute is blah, 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 blah. It's, you know, we, we can sound really heady and it's like, you don't, you just, you're too dumb to understand the Bible. Well, no, when we say context, we're saying understand that this was specifically written by God for the purposes of uh, building us up for what is necessary for our salvation Mm-hmm. for sanctifying us by the spirit to understand what he teaches about this right here. God is teaching us about 
uh, a judgment right here. <laughs> right. We can't use this verse to us because we're talking about us getting judged. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, we're not trying to be jerks when we say context. We just, we need to really yeah. think what is God saying here mm-hmm. in his word. If we believe in the word as our authority, we need to take that seriously. Right. Right. We want to pay attention to, uh, we don't just want to listen to the things that we enjoy, but we want to actually pay attention to what's the, you know, we want to know what the message is. We don't just want to hear what we want to hear. We want to hear what God is trying to say. And that includes, you know, really digging deep and paying attention to all of the things surrounding each Mm -hmm. passage. Um, And it's like you said, it's not for the sake of being too heady or too, uh, or, in any way being condescending it's just for the sake of like knowing god through his word better yeah and it's and and this is very important for then the for the conversation here um is uh is god still speaking uh it's really the the bigger thing first of all uh than just the prophecy or sorry than just spiritual gifts Uh, we want to say is god speaking today right um and how well, we say, yes, God speaks today, and it's in his word. Uh, the question really is, does he give immediate or immediate revelation? Uh, is is there something in between to deliver that, um, that uh, the word of God, his messages for us? Uh, yes, it is the Bible. It's scriptures, what, whatever's been recorded in there. Um, and it, we, are, we understand it by the Holy Spirit who teaches us these things and guides us in its truth. Um, and who also brings this truth to our remembrance. Um, if it's immediate, then we're saying God directly imparts revelation to us. So this, this is an important aspect because it becomes the question of um, if God speaks immediately, if God speaks today uh, by immediate revelation, is it binding or not? In other words, um, do we have to obey it as if it were the Bible? Uh, th- this whole question comes down to uh, the word canon. Mm-hmm. Um, we use the word canon for scripture uh, for a reason. Canon simply means rule, right? A rule or measure. So it's it's the basis. It is the measuring stick mm-hmm. for all things related to Christianity. If God speaks by immediate revelation, it must be considered canon, be, uh, canonical, because God does not speak apart from what is not binding in other words we can't just have god speak and then say well i'll I'll obey it or listen to it or not Mm -hmm. okay um so if god is truly speaking when that person at that youth group comes up to you and says hey i uh, god has given me a word for you and you say kevin that you are you you know uh, you know i don't really want to go and do that you're rejecting the word of god right um if that's the case now, uh, I mean, that, that, this is a serious question. It can't be subjective and up to, oh, you know, this is just how you believe and how I believe, how you relate to God and how I relate to God. No, we want to say God's word, his revelation is binding. It is the rule. It is canon. Sometimes, sometimes in scripture, we can find God did not have his word, his canon preserved. 
in the sense of, say, there's another letter of the Corinthians. Sometimes there was a, uh, a prophecy or, or something, a conversation that was going around between Paul and, uh, you know, the Laodiceans or something. Mm-hmm. We don't have that word. There's uh, at the end of John's uh, gospel, right? There's many more things about what Christ did and said by his signs and wonders and his teachings that aren't written down because there would be no book big enough to fill it yeah uh or, or to contain it all um if if this is the case then god can work in an uh can give revelation can do these things apart from um apart from uh what we have in scripture but but why mm-hmm. is the question what is the point if God continues to work prophecy uh, presently after what we believe uh, to be a closed canon has occurred, where at the end of Revelation, we see, uh, you know, you are not to add to the words of this book. And that's not speaking about just the book of Revelation. Uh, in Hebrews, we, it says that in these latter times, God uh, now speaks by his son. Mm. No longer the former things of the prophets and of the apostles, but of his son. Mm-hmm. Okay, we, we have to see that Hebrews writes in, in the context of um, before the fall of the temple. Okay, this, this is before 70 AD. And you already have the closing of the canon. Now, things only must come by the word of God in, uh, in recorded scripture. Mm-hmm. So... When we get to with all this of the, um, we, when we get to with all this of then the um, spiritual gifts themselves, first of all, this then becomes a question of prophecy. Mm-hmm. Okay, if anyone prophesies, it cannot be disconnect. It cannot be discounted as non-canonical. Okay, you can't go and say. Um, you know, some prophecies can be true and some prophecies can't be or aren't going to be. Sometimes someone can give a good prophecy. Sometimes they can give a bad prophecy and it'd be wrong. No, no. The word of God fails then. Mm-hmm. If the word of God is canon, if it's binding as a measure, uh, the spiritual gift of prophecy hinges upon God delivering a message to his people. Uh, is that message complete or not? And if it is not complete and we still need to be given a, uh, an additional message for today outside of the Bible, then we are saying the Bible is insufficient. It is not sufficient for all things about our salvation. And frankly, if someone is giving me a message that they say is from God that is not about my salvation and his glory, I don't want to hear it. There's no point. Mm-hmm. I do not live for myself. I don't want to know how to better my life and my, my, uh, I don't want to care about God's uh, will for my life as a, uh, you know, him holding out some kind of benefit or blessing. If that benefit or blessing is not Christ, then let the world's blessings and benefits pass by me. I don't care. It's, it, it's just, there's no point to hearing their words. If it is not the word of scripture. Right. Um. To just briefly wrap that up then in, in going to that aspect of cessationism and the rest of uh, the spiritual gifts. Um, you alluded to first Corinthians. Uh, you had stated a uh, first Corinthians 14, if I recall. Um, 
Yep. Uh, I just flashed through it real quick. And I was thinking, um, even if you just look at the header in your Bibles um, from verse uh, 26, if you're using an ESV, it'll state good order in worship. Mm-hmm. We have to recall, and again, here's where context comes in play. What is the book of Corinthians about? <laughs> um, early, early, early on, you see that the Corinthians are doing abusive practices in the church, bad practices. And what are those practices? Primarily, it comes down to uh, improper fellowship uh, and severing of um, different uh, people groups, primarily uh, those who are more uh, on the noble side, those who are affluent, rich, wealthy, successful, and those who are poor. Um, There's a bunch of different issues that are going on in Corinth in terms of practice, uh, such as things with the Lord's Supper, things with... um, you know, people getting all dressed up and glamorous for church or, you know, whatnot. There's, uh, there's lawsuits between one another. Um, there's incest and sexual immorality in other ways. Paul's addressing a whole bunch of things, but in the context of uh, what promotes the love of God and what promotes the love of neighbor, okay, the two greatest commandments. All of it comes down to the nature of the church how we relate to one another, and especially in worship. Corinth, um, the Corinthians were abusing certain worship practices. And among those things, they were abusing uh, the, the spiritual gifts. And so Paul goes and um, clarifies what the spiritual gifts are in the first place. In uh in first Corinthians 14 that you alluded to, um, he gives, uh, examples there about, um, uh, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the spirit, especially prophecy for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Now he tells us what prophecies are for, for the strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Now, the, one of the things is to ask, okay, what is he talking about for tongues? Is it languages? Is it just like any any way of speaking? Or is it angelic tongues? People will, well, anyways, you, you get through all this. And you're, you're seeing, though, Paul's argument through 14 comes down to what is for the edification of the brothers. When you look at the surrounding uh, chapters, um, And actually, if you go down into verse uh, 12, he says, uh, since you are eager for gifts of the spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. He's telling us what the gifts are for. The building up of the church. So our question really is, do spiritual gifts edify the church and which and how? Um, When Paul goes and then talks about that, you know, I thank God that I speak in uh, tongues more than you, all of you. Mm -hmm. He's uh, he's giving a uh, a bit of an uh, exaggerated language and, and, and an argument from authority and stating like, hey, guys, look, I go and I, I can go and speak in tongues. Now, whether this is angelic voices or whatever, angelic language or actual languages or whatnot, he's stating however much you guys think you're building things up. I do all the more so. And frankly, it doesn't matter if I speak in the tongues of angels, would say Paul. Uh, in the church, I would rather speak, verse 19 of chapter 14, I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Mm. Why? Why? Right. The tongues were for communicating 
the gospel and the works of Christ in his ministry to all peoples that were in attendance in the church. That was the point. Mm -hmm. But he says, I would rather speak five intelligible words. Why? For that same purpose. There was a place for tongues in it. Uh, To get to the cessation aspect. From the reason why we call ourselves cessationists comes from 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Mm-hmm. Paul says explicitly, as for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. Right. As for knowledge, words of knowledge, for example, mm-hmm. it will pass away. What he does in saying this in 1 Corinthians 13, which is just amazing. Okay, these three big gifts here that the charismatics so emphasize prophecy, tongues, and words of knowledge pass away. These are extraordinary gifts mm-hmm. for the initial building up of the church. What does he say comes next? He says, faith, hope, and love. Yeah. The ordinary right. gifts of the spirit, faith, hope, and love remain. They take their place. The extraordinary gifts pass away with that age, with the building up of the, the initial building of the church, the laying on of the foundation. The ordinary gifts remain But then what happens? Love is the only one that will endure. Mm. When? The eschaton. So presently, our focus is on hope and joy. And these are words that relate to the promises of the gospel. Okay, Paul here is talking about the emphasis of the preaching and proclamation of the gospel that speaks of this inexpressible joy in this hope that everything Christ has said is to be grabbed upon by faith in the eager expectation that they will be fulfilled in the age to come, in their fullness, okay, that we will have eternal life and reign forever with Christ, our King, okay? This is what cessationism ultimately is. We are not saying that all spiritual gifts cease. We're saying some spiritual gifts, the extraordinary ones, have a place and a time. Just as the ministry of Moses had a place in a time, just as the ministry of Elijah had a place in a time, so too uh, the apostles. Mm-hmm. Okay, now with the uh, scripture being completed in time, we have faith, hope, and love that continues. Mm-hmm. Okay, we do not have tongues and prophecy and knowledge. This is why the greatest gift of the spirit beyond anything is love. Okay. And, and so any, any church that will emphasize any other gift besides love itself, a love of God and love of neighbor. In other words, the fulfillment of the law, which really points us to Christ in us then as well in living for Christ, any church that points away from that is missing the point of what Corinthians is talking about. Paul is rebuking these guys for going and, doing exactly what the charismatics do overemphasize on whatever God is pouring out onto them and then showing those things off rather than going and tending to one another and proclaiming the gospel itself. They proclaim extraordinary signs and miracles. Yeah. Christianity proclaims the gospel. Right. Um, It's just one last brief note on that then is just, uh, when believers 
are zealous for the manifestations of the Spirit's power by the gospel, we have to realize how supernatural this is. Okay, I, I like to say that I believe Reformed Christians are more supernatural than uh, the Charismatics and Pentecostals because we believe that, I mean, we're, we're not going and holding our hands out and telling for God to go and knock us back onto the floor or this kind of thing, show up in a powerful way and take me to heaven or whatever. We don't look at these invisible things that are, that uh, are stored up for us later. We look to the here and the now, and we say, uh, look around us here in the church. You want to see a resurrection of the dead? Look in your pew. These right. are dead people standing and singing the praise of the God that they uh, rebelled against, first by our first parents in the garden, and then uh, by our own sins, our mm -hmm. own guilt. These are, I mean, church is a place where you're surrounded by the living dead. Okay, this is the resurrection before your eyes, already to anticipate the fullness of resurrection of body and soul. Okay, the church is the place where, from the sacraments, uh, particularly in the Lord's Supper, we are, uh, for us, particularly in the um, in the Continental Reformed Presbyterian uh, tradition, the sacraments are the true, actual body and blood of Christ, not in the Roman Catholic way, but partaken of, eaten by the hand and mouth of our soul, faith. Hmm. We partake of the true body and blood of Christ who is in heaven by the spirit who is working faith in us. And that faith feeds uh, uh, the, the, this, this, this Christ in heaven by the spirit feeds and nourishes us, strengthens our faith, truly sanctifies and enhances our spiritual dependency upon him, our spiritual life. Okay, you want to talk supernatural, look to the Reformed traditions that say, here is the, like, the manifestations of God, not in the things visible, but everywhere around us. When we go to church, we are before the throne of the Father in heaven, united to Christ, uh, who is our token of flesh stored up there. So it's just, wow. I mean, I, I think it's, you know, they have empty signs. We have the fullness of the gospel. Yeah. Wow. That is, I think that's a great place to kind of wrap things up. Um, I think we probably went a little bit longer than you were anticipating. I, well, I think both of us, than we sure. were but uh, I mean, that's amazing stuff. Um, so to conclude, I don't know if you have any other concluding remarks about um, anything we've yeah. talked about. Um, so, I yeah. think, yeah, this is just, it's, wow, that was so good. <laughs> um, I think, if you, um, yeah. for just brief concluding uh, Mark there, because I mean, yeah, you know, we're, we're um, us at Bobcast, uh, the podcast that I'm co-host on, mm -hmm. we are looking at going and uh, diving further in um, on this topic as well. Uh, we have taken up some of it in the past, but we do want to get in a bit more. Yeah. Um, so, First of all, uh, not not by way of shameless self promotion, but uh, but uh, just that we we have done uh, an episode. I believe it was episode nineteen or twenty one. I forget on uh, miracles, um, and uh, we are coming out with another. Uh, if you do want to hear more on that, um, but uh, the other aspect of is 
to understand that in talking about these kind of hyper charismatic movements, um, we do, yeah, like Kevin has emphasized, we do believe there are sincere, heartfelt, Christ loving Christians in there. Mm-hmm. But we also need to understand that we are whole, uh, that we have to hold uh, those who profess to teach scripture to a higher standard for that which they're teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everything that we say has uh, it, that cessation to say, especially, I'm um, saying is, um, uh, we speak out of a biblical concern to promote discernment, mm-hmm. true biblical discernment to know what's coming in through the back door of the church, um, to know what, like, you know, study materials are being brought in to the local Bible study or whatever, uh, or even through the front door in playing their music. This is the kind of stuff that they mean when you listen to the music of Jesus culture in Bethel. Um, you know, so it's, it's, this is not to just go around slapping and condemning those with inferior theology. It's this comes down to uh, what does the church practice is in, and is it actually uh, bound to the word of God or is it a device of man? I mean, so I would, you know, I would just continue to explore um, these sort of things. Um, you know, just look up online mm-hmm. groups like uh, on Facebook, Bethel church and Christianity um, who you know, expose a lot of this kind of stuff. Um, they have some really good and easy things um, to to read through. Um, but yeah, really investigate. Yeah, yeah. Just continue to uh, read scripture and continue to dive deep into the context, as we've uh, mentioned just a little bit ago. Um, not for the sake of head knowledge, but just for the sake of really understanding, you know, what is the... Uh, what's the message that each author is trying to um, explain? Well, that about wraps it up for this interview with Caleb. And there's a lot that we talked about between these two episodes. And so um, if there's anything that we said that was confusing or you disagree with, or you just want to encourage us, um, reach out on social media through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or you can email us and I will put all of the ways that you can find us on social media or the email. I'll put that in the description of this episode. Um, if you know someone who is a part of this movement, this word of faith, hyper charismatic movement, feel free to share this content with them. That's the best way for it to get out. Um, word of mouth. Um, or if you just enjoyed it in general, feel free to share it. We would love that. That's the best way to grow this podcast. Um, If there's nothing else and you just enjoy what we're putting out, make sure you give us a rating or review. And until then, read your Bible, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode of Christ in Context. If you enjoyed the episode, give us a rating and a review through Apple Podcasts or whatever streaming app you use to listen. And subscribe to be notified when new content is posted. You can find us on social media on Facebook and Instagram at Christ in Context Pod and Twitter at CNC Podcast. If you have a question that you would like to hear answered on the show, reach out on social media or email us at ChristInContextPod at gmail.com. We are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters and Doctrinal Discipleship. For other edifying material, check out ReformPodcasts.com and Doctrinal Discipleship either on Facebook or DoctrinalDiscipleship.com. Thank you.